If you guys don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Joe. Just call me Joe. I'm the youth director for Park Ministries. We're the youth ministry for Harvest Community Church for the newcomers who are who are visiting us. Um, today's a very I, it, it's within the deep of my heart, and I believe many parents here, our youth kids, you know, leading worship and giving testimonies. It's a very exciting time. So I encourage you. Um, Please pay attention to them because they took many hours, many minutes, and many, many minutes, many hours to prepare for this. So as, we, if I, as I introduce Everett to come up here, as he comes up here, please give him a round of applause. And actually, sorry about that. Promise land, you guys are dismissed. <laughs> All right, good morning. Welcome to Harvest. My name is Everett. I'm going to be a senior. So if I can have everyone stand up and greet each other, just give everyone a high five, fist bump, kiss on the cheek. Okay, so if you're new here, you can fill out um, the welcoming card. It's this yellow half sheet. Or if you have any prayer requests, go ahead and fill it out, and you can put it into the offering bag. They'll be coming around later. So for the announcements today, there'll be a baptism class on Sunday, July 28th from 11.30 to 2 p.m. in the rec slash game room. Lunch will be provided. Please see Pastor Jerry if you're interested in being baptized. And the Young Adults Ministry will be meeting on Sunday, July 28th. Oh, these are both uh, next week, by the way, next Sunday. At 6 p.m. at Uncle Sean and Auntie Marissa's. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> All right, ladies, ooh. Uh, you're invited to our summer movie outing on Monday, July 29th to see Dreamgirls. <laughs> at Sergerstrom Plaza. We'll be meeting at 6.30. You can bring your own food or buy it from the food trucks there. Please RSVP on the Evite. For more info, you can visit the website that's on the, the bulletin. Invite your friends, more the better. So today is a Youth Sunday, as Pastor Joe said. So instead of having a bunch of annoying teenagers at the front of the service, you're going to have a bunch of annoying teenagers conducting the service. So, mmm. Mmm. All right. So the theme of the day will be um, how God is faithful in each one of our lives. And we'll have, be having five, um, five of our youth presenting the perspective on, their, on that theme. So first up, you have Matthew. So yeah, hi everyone. If you don't know me, I'm Matthew Loke. I'm the Eric and Francis's kid back there, Uncle Eric, <laughs> Auntie Francis. And wow, it's, we, we've been planning this event. I think it's like two months, two months along the lines. I, I don't remember. But anyway, yeah, this is, uh, this is, my my story, and I hope it doesn't completely bore you. And <laughs> just try to stay focused for everyone else. <laughs> so I was born into a Christian family from an early age, and I was taught the Bible from a young age. <laughs> my parents took my brother and I to Sunday school every week. As a result, I considered myself to be a Christian from as early as I can remember. It wasn't until I was around 10 years old that I chose to actually be a follower of Christ rather than just going to church, going through the emotions because my parents dragged me along. And 
I, uh, one of the reasons I became a Christian is because I was looking for an external power, like, in our life that we have. Because we all, like, feel that there's a higher being, something, something higher than just ourselves, the people around us. Something that we should be striving for and living for. And I found that in the triunal God, which is, like, no, which is the Son, the Father, the Holy Spirit. And some verses that influenced my early walk were John 4, 6, and then you can see it on the board, which is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This made me realize that Jesus was the only way to eternal life. I like to envision the cross as a bridge that allows us to get between us and God. So when I think of that, I think of this verse. I also understood the truth in 1 Corinthians 15.3, that is, for I have received what I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Becoming a Christian meant sharing these truths. Only, I attended a Christian school and was surrounded by Christian teachers, classmates, and friends, and had little opportunity to do so in a meaningful way. So I started to become passive towards Christianity. Later on in life, the opportunity, well, the opportunity that God created for us to live Despite humans having a long overdue history, I'm just going to skip this part. <laughs> so after finding Harvest, I became involved in our church's youth group, which is the park. And after being in the park for some time, I decided to become a youth group leader to deepen my relationship with God. After, after a couple of years, I was able to attend the 58th presidential inauguration with a small group from my high school. I witnessed a man who had occupied the highest office in the country put his hand on the Bible and recite the presidential oath of office. This peaceful transfer of power as President Obama stepped down and the current president took his place, I don't want to say his name. <laughs> this led me to believe that I lived in a bubble, physically and spiritually. I used being a Christian as an excuse to be politically unformed uninformed, which I attributed to my belief in the separation of church and state. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12 was my biblical basis for filtering current events before I went to the presidential inauguration. It reads, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as I told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. After witnessing the inauguration, I was realizing that I was limiting the scope of my verse in all aspects of my life. I began to look for ways that I could expand uh, my Christianity outside of the bubble that I had created for myself. One of the things I found it in was an activity that I had been passionate in for years, which was Boy Scouts. Over the years, I had said it hundreds of times, you've, you've all heard the Boy Scout oath, on my honor, I'll do my best to do my duty to God and my country and to obey the Scout law to help other people at all times, to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. After I saw that, I realized that the Boy Scout Oath did not separate church and state, and that I should not do that in my own life. Through that, I found a program that was offered through Boy Scouts called Programs of Religious Activities and Youth. It spells out the acronym PRAYER. I, be <laughs> I began to work with the former youth pastor, the one and only Michael Bosmeroff, going through the going through the lessons present in the book. The lesson that influenced me the most was, uh, was the one about the conversion of Saul to Paul. 
Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he viewed the followers of Jesus as a religious movement rather than the fulfillment of God's laws and promises. Jesus stopped him, both physically and spiritually, however, blinding Saul on the road to Damascus. And then there's the Bible verse, the Acts, Acts 9, 3 through 6. You, you can read it. Then, considering how God changed Paul and used him as an influential figure in the early church, it made me realize how I want to help people in a way that will please God and glorify Jesus. I don't think that seeing the inauguration changed my future in opening my eyes to how I have to not think of uh, church and state as different, but together. Uh, and then I think that, so then that made my, uh, I'm trying to word this in a way that is cohesive. <laughs> so then in doing that, that helped me find the person that God called me to be, or at least start striving towards it, and be ready and prepared to serve his kingdom. And then now with the wisdom that I've obtained through my peers and mentors, I've realized that, for one thing, because Michael recently left for Duke, that God will open and close doors in your life by putting people in your lives to lead you down a certain path and to teach you certain skills. Those paths have been to run audio and visual from Andy and also to play the bassoon with urging from my band director. I have realized that all I have to be willing to do is listen to those who have come before me and be willing to apply the lessons that have been taught in my life. I want to close with Galatians 6.10, which says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Thank you for your time. with you all, when I was asked to share my testimony with all of you, I had no idea what I was going to say. Because like most people here, I grew up in a Christian home and have only ever known this one church. So what more is there to say? But obviously, I got to reflect on my own personal journey with God and am able to stand here sharing my testimony here today. <laughs> So my parents, they have a certain strategy for raising me. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong, they, they're very good parents. They, they raise me well. Um, but, but basically, with multiple attempts in our early years, they figure that the best and probably only way for their children to learn is if they let us suffer the consequences of a bad decision. Um, anyways, my parents were the same way with me going to church. After a certain age, going to church was no longer an obligation if I didn't want it to be. They never forced us to go to church. I had to choose myself if going to church and getting closer to God was something I wanted to do. When I was given this choice, I continued to go to church, but even though I continued going, I wasn't getting closer to God. Around the same time, I was in middle school. I became very diligent about my grades and schoolwork. I would constantly put 110% into everything. And although that kind of attitude is often praised for, putting 
so much effort into every little homework assignment, every little test. It took a massive toll on my health and eventually my relationships. As I grew older, the workloads became greater and oftentimes I would take out the accumulated stress all on my family and I would, it would be let out through anger and then of course everyone in my family would be in a bad mood. Um, God blessed me. He gave me a friend that I never intended to become friends with in the first place. So her, this friend was named Claire. So she was the outsider in our friend group and only hung out with us because her only other friend was a part of our group and we never really tried to include her. Um, but when high school came, her only other friend moved to a different high school and Claire continued to hang out with us. So since I had a few classes with her, she and I got really close. And she was my first Christian friend that I had that I made outside of school. Before her, I had other friends who were Catholic or they were Christian, but they didn't really act like it. And with Claire, I was able to be openly talk openly about my relationship with God, and we were able to talk about things like what we struggle with and what we pray to God about. Um, because she was my school friend, she would often witness my outbursts of however stress would be let out, and she would always encourage me to turn to God and cast my worries onto him. She showed me a verse from Jeremiah 29, 11, which reads, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. After reflecting on this, I found that the reason why I felt so stressed all the time was because I, was because I felt worried about something that I couldn't even control in the first place. And I wanted things to turn out a certain way and I, I felt that I needed situations to turn out a certain way, otherwise the absolute worst would happen. This verse helps to remind me that even though, when, even though I might not have control of the situation, God does. Even though I feel that I need the situation to turn out a certain way, I don't. It helps to remind me to trust in the Lord even when things don't turn out the way I want them to. And in all honesty, trusting in God, it's so much harder. It's so much harder than I thought. Not stressing was and still is not easy for me. <laughs> My parents would agree. <laughs> um, it's because it's just so easy to get caught up in the midst of everything with whatever you're, with whatever you're going through at the moment because life happens. And... But even though it's hard, I can still see my life changing little by little. Instead of trying to face it, a situation on my own, I pray to God about it. I cast my worries onto him. And I'm finally going to church with the intention of getting closer to God, rather than just going to church like it's whatever. And even though it's hard, I just have to remember that God has a future for me. And I have to have faith that he's putting me in the position for that future. Thank you.
Hi, I'm Emily, Alfred and Susan's daughter. <laughs> okay, so similar to everybody else's testimony, I was born and raised in this church. And growing up at Harvest, I felt like I never really got that defining aha moment of first meeting Christ and encountering him and putting him into my life. So to me, attending church every Sunday morning became a jaded routine, a cycle of regurgitating the same Bible verses over and over without really absorbing them or understanding what they really meant. I began to view church as a disposable aspect of my life, only going because I had to, because I was dragged along by my parents, because doing anything else on a Sunday morning would feel out of place or weird. So I went to church as a means to fulfill something that my parents wished of me, not to grow myself or in my relationship with Christ. I poured myself into academics and all my extracurriculars to keep myself busy and engaged. I pushed God away, and when I qualified for Park in seventh grade, I didn't even consider going to the Saturday night youth groups. Throughout late elementary and all throughout middle school, I kept living only for the next A+, for the next award or achievement. And it was really exhausting, and I was constantly tired and cranky all the time. And during this time, I didn't really take joy in the process of doing what I was going through. It, it doesn't matter. I would tell myself the pride of winning or getting the highest score will always overcome the expenses made to achieve X, Y, or Z. So I pushed God away because my ego was too big for him. I seldom prayed or even asked for wisdom and guidance with schoolwork or anything that I wanted to really put myself into. My happiness hinged on the probability of a win or that success rate, something that I thought could only come through earthly work. I kept chasing after this unfulfilling and unsustainable way of life, and I became devoted to my successes, all the accolades, and eventually myself. It was over the summer that God drew me, drew me towards him. I grew bored doing like the weekly camps that your parents shove you in to put on your college resume. So I began to... <laughs> I began to connect more with the park because they had fun and engaging activities like the beach hangout and scavenger hunts at the Spectrum. Sorry, Target. Um, I got a special opportunity from Michael Bosmarov to join the youth leadership team a year early. And my parents thought it would be like a good opportunity for their daughter, right? So as the dutiful child that I am, I decided to start going to these Saturday night leadership meetings. And it was there that I first learned what it meant to experience and cultivate a relationship with the Lord. I remember the first things when I walked in on the first leadership meeting, I was late. <laughs> but the first question that Michael asked me was, how has your walk with God been? And this became my new aha moment, not for the discovery of Christ and finding out who he is, but for the way that God wants me to live through him and with him. So I hadn't been walking with God up until that point. I had been blazing a solo path without a deep relationship with him. Through this question, I came to realize that God has already accepted me and that he is yearning for a relationship to grow with me. What I, with time, I realized that I am not defined by the awards I win, the grades I achieve on a piece of paper. I, uh, the, the Lord's love for his children is what defines them and that I am a daughter of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of this, I am and we are untouchable, no matter what we win or what grades we get. And up on the verse, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. 
and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that nobody can boast. I do not need to compete or win my way into heaven. No award or medal that anybody can earn is enough to earn the eternal love of Jesus Christ. It is by grace through faith that God has gifted us salvation. I know now that going to church is to praise God for his everlasting glory and to grow deeper in a relationship with him. And church is meant to be a stepping stone to help incorporate Christ into my everyday life because God wants to walk with me and all of you in every waking moment, every second of every day. Since my freshman year, now going into sophomore year of high school, I have come to understand the importance that God holds in my life. I busy myself to serve God and to bring him joy in everything that I do. I still work hard and strive to achieve, but now doing so for the glory of God. God has taught me to put my heart into all that I do, and he has shown me that my failures are not what defines me. In this next verse, I have told you these things so that, you may have peace, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. God knows every mistake that I have made, every failure, and all the ones to come. But through his steadfast and remarkable love, he has chosen to build a relationship with me. When everything else and myself have left me defeated, he has not once left my side. Being busy is not an excuse to push the Lord away. Instead, it is an opportunity to seek and actively ask God for his guidance and wisdom during a time of need. During these upcoming and increasingly crazy years of high school, I have chosen and learned how to walk alongside the Savior and do what I do for the glory of God, for the one who has overcome the world. Thank you. Good job. I have to go after that. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Um, I mean, everyone's introduced themselves by the names of their parents, so I'm the offspring of Trey and Tanya. Um, I know that a lot of you have known me for a very long time, and some of you even remember me as a baby, but for those of you who don't know me, I want to introduce myself. My name is Luke Harmon, and I'm going to be in my senior year of high school, and I'm going into my last year in the park. I live with my parents, my sister Maddie, and our wonderful fuzzball of a dog, Mosey. Today, I want to share with you the story of how God has worked in my life and how he has shown me his faithfulness in unexpected ways. Something I've always struggled with is a sense of not fitting in or belonging anywhere. It's not a fear of rejection. It's more a struggle with the knowledge that I'm different. For many years, my parents served as missionaries in China. As a result of this, the majority of my childhood was spent overseas. From the start of my earliest memories, China has always been the place I called home. I was completely surrounded by the culture and people of China. My apartment complex, my friends, my school, my free time, and everything else about my life was defined by the fact I was living in China. The point is, China's where I grew up. China's where I learned to be a person. It is where I learned my place in society. It's where I began to find my identity. My understanding of who I was was rooted in my life in China. The summer I turned eight, my life changed forever. I had to step out of my bubble in China, board a plane, and enter a whole new world. Everything I knew about culture, about life, and about myself did not apply here. My life had been reset. I had to start over. Here in America, I was enrolled in a regular old public school where I was flabbergasted to hear that most of my classmates had never even left the state. Over time, I started to become more acclimated with my environment. I got the hang of going to school, interacting with kids, playing four square at recess, and calling football soccer. 
For the next four years of my life, I continued to cruise along, going with the flow of life. Despite the fact that I had just experienced a literal transplanting of my life into another world, I did not show any signs of culture shock or even stress from the move. That did not mean the move didn't have an emotional or mental impact on me. It just meant that it was yet to surface. I was young and I was naive. I didn't understand the things that were happening around me. I did not see how God was orchestrating my life. Halfway into seventh grade, I began missing school due to excruciating pains in my head. I later learned that I had chronic migraines and sleep insomnia as a side effect. Between my seventh and eighth grade year, I would lose several months of my life to migraines and sleep deprivation. More than two-thirds of my waking hours were just spent idly lying in bed or on the sofa. As I laid for hours on end, for weeks and months in a row, I was alone. It was just me, my thoughts, and my migraines. I don't think I've ever been as unhappy as I was that two years. I felt useless, worthless, and incompetent. In my unhappy mess of self-pity, I tried to understand what was happening. Why me? What did I do wrong? And most importantly, where was God? With the countless hours I spent alone with myself, my thoughts eventually turned back to China. But now, when I thought of China, I felt like the memories belonged to a different person from a totally different life. I was still Luke, I was the same person, yet my life in China felt like nothing more than a dream. I was disconnected from my past. I did not know who I was. I had no sense of identity. When I was, when I was in China, I was the white kid from America. Now I was back home in America, I was the Asian kid from China. I was a part of two cultures, but I belonged to none. My whole life since the move, I've clung to one desire in the back of my heart. One hope, one dream that kept me moving forward. I dreamed longingly of the day that I would get to move back to China. All my friends were there, my school, my apartment, my favorite places. My world was back in China. Of course I would get to go back to my old life. Of course one day I would get to go back home. There was one terrible night that I remember quite vividly. That night, as I shuffled through my old memories of China, as I did now quite frequently, I came to a startling realization. I realized that my old life was gone. I was never gonna be able to go back. My friends had grown up, they had moved on, my school would be different, places would change. The past Luke, the young innocent Luke who stepped out of that plane, he was as good as dead. I cried that night, and I cried bitterly for my loss. I mourned my own death. From then on, every time I thought of China, I would involuntarily start crying in despair. It would only remind me of the former, the things I was not anymore. Yet, yet in all this, I wouldn't dare tell anyone. What would they think? What would they say? I didn't want to sound ungrateful for my life, and I didn't want people to see the pain that I felt. I just shoved my emotions down. Those two horrible years since in seventh and eighth grade, God was not present in my life. At first, I tried to pray. I asked God for help. I pleaded with him to take away my pain. I was desperate to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But as days turned to weeks and weeks turned to months, it became clear to me. God was not going to take me out of my pain. As I saw the situation, there were only two options. Either God was not all-powerful, he was weak and simply couldn't help me, or he was not all-loving. He was impartial to my struggle and did not want to help me. At the time, I believed in God, but I didn't believe that he was worthy of my praise. I doubted his goodness, his wisdom, his mercy. I thought that if he did not respond to my prayers in the way that I expected, he could not be both a good and powerful God. The start of freshman year marked a turning point for me. I had had enough of my pointless mourning and bitter tears. 
I, know that I knew that I had to talk with someone. I was absolutely petrified, but I was more desperate than I was scared. I remember going to my parents and emptying out the mountain of confusion in my heart. Over the next few months, through many discussions with my parents, mentors, and with God, I began to see a new perspective. Can we get the verse up? Uh, in, Romans, in Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Here in Romans and all throughout the Bible, it is declared that God works for the good of his people. Even when we can't understand his plan, he is still working for good. As my eyes were opened to what God was doing in my life, I realized I had not gone through my trials and suffering because God didn't care about me. I was given the trials in my life because God loved me more than I could ever understand. In my freshman year, I started homeschooling to accommodate for my health situation. And homeschool has easily been one of God's greatest gifts to me. Through homeschool, I've received so many unique opportunities. I've been able to take faith-based courses, adjust my education to fit my passions, and more importantly, I've been able to meet many wonderful people who encourage me in my relationship with God. All, all this good that God has given me through homeschool would not have been possible without me first going through my trials and health issues. At the time, I couldn't understand what God was doing, but he was working for my good. As, my struggles, as for my struggles with identity in my past, God showed me that what I had seen as a curse was in fact a blessing. I realized that yes, I may be different than everyone else, and they might, may not understand my experiences and emotions that make me me. But that is not something I need to be ashamed of. My unique life story and, the experience, and my experiences have shaped me into who I am today. Because of my past, I've gained so many gifts. I see the world through a, a lens of someone who has seen and experienced the international world. I can be more appreciative of different cultures and worldviews. And since I've grappled with my struggle for identity and meaning at a fairly young age, I have an emotional and mental maturity that I would not have had until much later in life. Today, my international life is not something I'm ashamed of. It is instead something I wear as a badge of honor. I recently learned that there's a term for people like me. The term is TCK, which stands for Third Culture Kid. It has helped me understand that I'm not alone in my feelings and my struggle for identity. I'm a part of a global network of kids and former kids who have gone through the exact same struggles as me all across the world. In fact, many of you in this room would identify as a TCK and have gone through similar struggles of cultural identity to, similar to mine. The other day I told my mom, I think being a TCK is my superpower. It is almost like being a part of a super secret global organization. All this to say is what I used to view as a curse in life has been one of God's greatest gifts to me. I cannot and cannot comprehend God's plan for my life, but I have faith that what he has planned for me is what is best. Um, in James 1, 2 to 3, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. If you're going to take away anything from my story, I want you to take away this. We can have joy in our sufferings through our faith in God and his greater story. Every single aspect of your life, all the highs and all the lows, God is in control of. Every single variable in your life, the people around you, your hair color, your birthplace, and even your trials and sufferings, God is in control of. There's nothing that will enter your life that has not first passed through the test of God's love. I want to leave you with a challenge. No matter your age, your place in life, or your circumstances, the next time you're facing the hardships of life, I want you to smile and praise God because you know he is working in your story. Thank you.
Hello. <laughs> um, my name is Jaden. I'm Brian and Tina's uh, son and Kiki's brother. Um, I titled this testimony, I'm Hungry, and I'll explain why later. So, no, I, I promise that has something to do with what I'm about to say, so please. <laughs> um, what I have to share today not only goes through some of my experiences as a Christian, but also some of the best lessons I've learned that strengthened my, life, my spiritual life. And I don't, I don't know if this was like clarified before, but the topic we're talking about today is how our faith has grown in this past year, like how it has strengthened, how it has changed. And for me, I'm thinking, what a perfect question for me, because my faith um, has only grown this past year. So I've grown up my, in Harvest my whole entire life, and many have helped raise me. And even though I've um, grown up here, um, I, my faith hasn't really grown or strengthened. And I think it's safe to say that I'm not exactly the most serious guy you've ever met. You know, I laugh at many things that are inappropriate, and that, that, that's, just the, that's just the immaturity inside of me. But it took me a while to realize that this attitude is what costs me in terms of my faith. So I have, I have an example. So my, sis, my sister Kiki, she says she put 110% of her effort into her schoolwork. I put zero, okay? <laughs> I put zero. <laughs> um, um, in the second half of my senior year, I got a total of 14 tardies and five detentions. And you know what? I came home and I was like, hey, mom, I got another detention. Look at this. So, and then I, I was proud of this. And um, that's not exactly the attitude that you should have when you, when, you get, when you get this many. Because, you know, I kept ending up in her principal's office. And then she's like, what are you doing? But yeah, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is like, I have this I don't care attitude towards, almost, towards every aspect of my life, including my faith. And that's what damaged it. So when I come to church, I'd fool around, not coming here to learn. And um, I knew God, God was calling to me because um, I, I have anger and patience issues. So I would like punch a wall or something, make a hole in it before church. And then the sermon would be about uh, how like anger leads to sin or something like that. So <laughs> it's all, so I was like, coincidence? No, it, yeah, it has to be coincidence, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't. So. Um, what, what I'm here to like talk to you about today is that God is always calling out to us, even though um, we don't, even though we don't think we don't like need Him, and but we need Him. So as Christians, I learned that we cannot have this "I don't care" attitude towards our faith. We cannot brush God aside and accept Him when we want Him. Um, instead, we should all desire to have an intimate relationship with Him, with the Lord at, at all times, and that's one thing. Um, like, I'm talking about um, three ways how I learned how to be intentional with my, to increase my longing with God. So, um, like I said before, I didn't take my faith seriously, and um, that meant I didn't read the Bible as much as I, as I should have. And I realized, as, like, as I was reading the Bible, the Bible is full of people that spend their lives hungry for God. And I'm talking about hungry, not for food, but for God, if that, didn't, if that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, okay. Um, so one of the stories that stood out to me was um, David wanting to build a palace for God in 2 Samuel 7. And the significance of the passage is that God did not command David to do it, but David just loved God so much and wanted, him, wanted to establish that, uh, that intimate connection with him. And I think... Like, not just my, like, a lot of us, not myself included, um, always live with this mindset of how little can we do for God. And, um, but David always lived for what can I do for God? So he lived with the appropriate mindset as a Christian where 
his heart was filled with so much gratitude and concern for God's glory and that he wanted to do something special for God. While some, a lot of us live where, what can I just do? What does the Bible say? What can, how, like, what, what's the minimum I can do? And that's not the mindset that we should be living with. And it is us, not God, that, degree, that, that, that determines the degree of intimacy that we have with him. So I'm going to go through the three points um, that how we can increase our longing for God, and hopefully you guys can take something away. And the first thing I wanted to uh, point out uh, that I, I uh, um, that I try to do is try to get rid of those idols. So um, idols are there to fill your fill a hole in your heart that's not necessarily like godly. And um, when we um, when we get rid of those things, um, that hole is so empty. And I think the only thing to fill that hole is with God. And um, like for me, there were video games, so they encourage in, inside me. They encourage a lot of anger, a lot of swearing. Um, I broke, I shattered my computer once, and I, yeah. Uh, but the, but idols aren't necessarily like things that can cause you to get angry. They can be like money. Um, what's another one? People. Yes. People. <laughs> okay. So um, so idols encourage. Um, so the obvious solution would be to get rid of those idols because they encourage us to chase after our own ambitions and not God's. And I've since. Um, and when we get rid of those idols, so there's still that hole that inside our heart that we're trying to fill. But I found that if you look for God anywhere, you will find Him everywhere. And um, so I'm into photography, and it's so easy to get into this mindset where all these shots are for me, um, all, I want to print this in the future. Like, I shouldn't be thinking like that. I should be thinking, like, I should be thanking God for creating, like, this wonderful world, world that we live in. And um, so, yeah, that was my first point. Um, the second point I wanted to improve, to, that I found that that could improve our hunger for God is to fast. And fasting can be defined as, uh, I don't have a definition, I'm going to make up a definition. <laughs> uh, okay, I, intentionally giving up something, practicing, no, yeah, intentionally giving up something, like a certain object. Um, so fasting is not, so the point I wanted to make today is that fasting is not abstaining from food, it's abstaining from anything that hinders, any, anything that hinders a relationship from God. So when we give up food, it's not because we don't want it. Uh, when we give up social media, it's not because we, we don't want it, it's because we give up these things when we give up these things, we want to be closer to God. And so something cool I did uh, this year for Lent was that I gave up Instagram. And what I did was I deleted the Instagram. And, and you know, when you delete an app on the iPhone, it, like, it like moves all the apps. So I put the Bible app where Instagram was. And for, like, the f- first few days, I remember, I, like, my fingers had this mind of its own. I would open, I would tap the spot. Like, whenever I wake up, I would tap the spot where the Instagram app was. But I would get the Bible instead. So... <laughs> So for like however long lasted, I, I would be forced to read the Bible every morning. I'd be like, "That's good," but so yeah, so that's that's pretty genius if you if you think about it. So, <laughs> uh, so instead, so every morning I'd be scrolling through like James or something instead of like people's lives. But yeah, so the point is like I had a choice where I could easily download it, uh, Instagram again, but I didn't because I I really wanted to establish that connection with God. And my last point for you. Um, to, to be like to increase your longing for God to be hungry is to surround yourself with hungry people. You know, surround yourself who are further down your walk with Christ or others who also seek Christ as much as you do. And from there, you will learn. You will you will learn, how, or you'll see how much your spiritual life will grow. And um, for me, um, 
like I've been so blessed to have so many people in my lives that are far, farther down their walk with Christ. And something at my school is there's this Christian club called Ecclesia. And so basically we meet, it's a club at school, and we meet once or twice a week. And um, there, in, in, our, in our lives, there are many circles. You know, there's like your school life, there's like your work life, your friends, and then there's church, right? And it's kind of awkward when these things are like, uh, these, these circles clash. You know, like one of my friends like saw my... Uh, like here, uh, these friends saw one of my school friends be like, "Oh, awkward." You know, it doesn't make it doesn't like it doesn't. Uh, it feels weird, really weird, because you have to introduce everyone. But the point of ecclesia, like the intention for ecclesia, was to have God like seep into all those circles in your life, and that's how we should be living. We shouldn't have, we shouldn't separate God. We shouldn't, God shouldn't be in its own individual circle. It should be, it should go into every single circle. So that's that's pretty much. Um, what I learned so uh, for Ecclesia because it allow it it keeps, you you surround yourself with people who keep you accountable for your faith and I think I just think that I feel I'm like so so blessed to have that kind of opportunity at my school so um, a few points I wanted to end with was that um, being a Christian is not easy uh, it's so easy to fall into secular desires and want worldly ungodly things. Um, but once we, as like I mentioned before, like we cannot have this I don't care attitude. If once we see intentionally see God with our heart, it means that we're surrendering everything to him. You know, it's like our heart, guilt, or our, our guilt, shame, regret, all our burdens, um, they're all laid at his feet. And um, we can't decide when to obey God. You know, it's not an all or nothing. Situ- it's, it's an all or nothing situation. And our salvation is our own and we are responsible for maintaining it. So thank you. Um, I'm the last testimony, so I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Um, not praying. Huh? Oh, and offering. <laughs> Am I praying? All right. Oh. All right, can everyone bow their heads? Um, dear Lord, I just wanted to thank... Um, for you to give us our uh, this opportunity for the youth to share our experiences and how we are still learning to be with you, just learning, to, uh, just getting to know you more. And I, th- I just want to like all, all point out is that we are all children of you, God. Um, we are we all want you. We are all yearning. We are yearning for you as much as you want us to. And we, we just need to recognize that you love us so much. And uh, and once we recognize that, we can lay everything. Uh, uh, all our burdens to, uh, at your feet. And uh, with that, I wanted to clo- um, say amen, and worship can start. <laughs> <laughs>